0: Welcome to the p Vine Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Joel Sutherland, and we take timeless biblical truth and help you to apply it in the context of your daily life. You can always join us live each Sunday morning at 8.30, 9.45, or 11 a.m. at our Rock Spring, Georgia campus, or at 11 a.m. at our Rossville, Georgia campus, which is just outside of Chattanooga, Tennessee.
1: Well, good morning, everyone. Are you excited to be at Peavine this morning? The Rossville campus, this campus, all celebrating the love of the Lord Jesus Christ together. (laughs) Baptizing seven, great worship and praise. It's been a long time since I've been in a church where you had to ask people to squeeze in and make room. I always gave that job to my worship leaders. If they're going to shoot somebody, let it be hymns, what I said. But it's great to do that. You know, maybe you're here today and you're visiting, saying, well, I don't know about this. You know, there's a lot of people here. Well, let me just say this. Last night, over 100,000 people squeezed into Neyland Stadium. Now, there weren't that many when the game was over. There was a lot of red and black when the game was over. But a lot of people squeezed in, and I love football, I love SEC football, I love most SEC teams. I will not tell you the one that I really don't like, but it's south of Georgia, and uh, uh, it's kind of east of Alabama, uh, and it has a city called Miami and Gainesville and Tallahassee. You can tell I'm a Bulldog fan. But go dogs. That's how we said amen in the church where I pastored. It was (laughs) go dogs. But seriously, I love football. But you know what? Win or lose, that game's over. Even if you win a national championship, it's not going to last. But what you have in Jesus Christ lasts for all eternity. And so if we can squeeze into a football stadium. And if we can scream until we're hoarse. I've been known to do that. I've been known to do that in my living room. We ought to be able to get excited about the only one. The only one. Who can change a person's life. Forever. The only one. Who can take a person to heaven when they die. The only one. Who loves you enough that He would lay down His life that your sin could be forgiven. We ought to be able to get excited about that. Amen? Amen? So it's great to be here this morning. It's great to be part of this atmosphere all morning long just to be part of all that God's doing. I'm so excited to be back uh, with my friends, Joel and Sherry. I've been friends for a long time. A lot of similarities, Joel, in, the, in, in Hebron where I pastored and P. Vine... Uh, the excitement, the energy, the enthusiasm. And you know why? The focus is Jesus. As long as you keep the main thing the main thing, there will be this excitement and there will be this energy. You have a great pastor, pastor's family. You have a great team here. Would you give all your staff a big hand? You have an incredible, incredible staff. Do not take for granted... What God is doing in this church. It, hey, listen. Let me just tell you, now that I'm not pastoring, that I'm traveling and preaching, it's not this way everywhere, all right? It's just not. And uh, if you get a point that you take it for granted, I'm going to ask your pastor to have you travel with me for three weeks, and you'll beg to come back, all right? To be back here. Because God is up to something. Didn't didn't it excite you to see seven people baptized this morning, giving testimony uh, to a changed life? It's exciting. Well, I want you to open your Bibles this morning because we're going to talk about the gospel. Uh, And I want you to to look in in, in the book of Galatians, chapter 6. We're only going to read one verse, but this verse is filled with meaning and and, and a verse that that demonstrates great power. Galatians, chapter 6, verse 14. Listen to what it says. But God forbid that I should boast or that I should brag except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Let me ask you a question in a good sense. When you brag, what do you brag about? We just talked about college football and you may brag about your sports team, I do. You may brag about... uh, uh, a hobby. Maybe, maybe some of you here play golf, and, uh, and, and, and you brag about the, your score. Uh, I, when I'd not been pastor very long at Hebron, and the church had begun to grow, some of my men grew concerned that I needed a hobby. I needed to learn how to relax. and So they came to me, and they said, listen, you need a hobby. I said, well, what do I need to do that's relaxing? They said golf. Can I tell you something? Golf and relaxation do not fit the same sentence. I tried it, and by the third hole, I was having thoughts I'd not had since I got saved. <laughs> well, you may brag about your golf game. My wife and I are in another phase of life now. Let me tell you what we brag about, grandchildren. We, listen, if I'd known they were going to be so great, I'd have skipped my kids. My, my, our kids always say, well, Daddy, you didn't let us do this when we were uh, children. You let the grandchildren do anything. That's because they're the grandchildren. You're not. Right. Right. I had to raise you. I don't have to raise them. All I have to do is spoil them. Right. I mean, but, uh, just spoil it. Now, when I, when I was a young pastor, I didn't get that. I mean, you know, everybody in the church that had grandchildren would come to me and say, can we show you a picture of our grandchildren? And I think, I'd say, oh sure, that's, oh my stars, if you've seen one grandchild, you've seen them all. But now that I have grandchildren, I get it. In fact, I have some slides, no I really don't. (laughs) But I could, I could. Our, our, uh, we have five grandchildren and our daughter and son-in-law Uh, who's a pastor, by the way. He pastors in Loganville, Georgia, but he grew up up here and graduated from Gordon Lee High School. Uh, They have three of our grandchildren, twins that are 10, and then the little girl that's going to rule the world one day who's five years old, her name's Allie Grace. She was in the car with our daughter the other day and they were headed somewhere and Allie Grace said to Amanda, she said, Mommy, God wants us to go to Stone Mountain. (laughs) Amanda said, God hadn't told me that, Gray says, Amanda, go to Stone Mountain. <laughs> so now we have the Holy Spirit in our family. <laughs> but we brag about our grandchildren. We brag about our hobbies. We brag about our sports team. And that's okay. But let me ask you a question. When it comes to eternal matters, when it comes to the only thing that's really going to matter 100 years from today, what do you boast about? Well, if you read this verse, look at it again. The writer says, but God forbid that I, I, who is this I? It's Paul. It's the man who gave us a lot of the New Testament. It's a man who was a great missionary, a man who planted churches literally all across the known world, a man who was very intelligent. The Bible tells us that as a follower of Christ, once he became a Christ follower, that in the city of Athens, not Georgia, but Greece, he debated with the philosophers and, and, and the brightest of the bright. Uh, and he, he was debating the gospel. They all he, That story tells us that uh, that they were worshiping all kinds of gods, and and then because they weren't sure if they got them all, if they covered them all, they even had uh, a statue to the unknown God. And and, and I love what Paul said. This guy said, he said, you know that God you don't know I declare to you, and it's the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's who this guy is. But look at what it says. He doesn't say that he boasts of his intelligence. That he boasts that he was a great missionary. That he boasts that he planted churches. Or or his education. Well-educated man spoke at least three languages. None of that. Look at what it says. But when I boast, I boast in the cross. The cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. The one thing that Paul bragged about was the cross. The one thing that evangelical Christianity has in common is the cross. I mean, right behind me, there's a cross. Some of you are wearing jewelry today in the shape or the form of a cross. I am in a lot of churches now, and, and uh, the way churches do worship is different. The way the buildings look are di- uh, vastly different. Uh, uh, music is different, all of that. And, and by the way, let me tell you, we need to remember this. We do need to stay focused on the main thing. So often churches get caught up in their methods, their programs, and how they do things. Listen, our methods are not sacred. Just because something worked in 1982 does not mean it'll work in 2019. You see, Baptists are incredible at starting things. We just don't know how to kill things. We continue doing things long after the usefulness is is worn out. And the only reason we do it is because we've always done it. Believe me, I'm in churches all the time that the only reason they're doing some things is because they've always done them. Our methods are not sacred. Listen to me. But there's one thing that is sacred that we cannot mess with, and that's our message, the message of the gospel. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? Amen? The gospel In Paul's day is the gospel today. The gospel of 1980 is the gospel today. And until Jesus comes back, it will be what really matters. Paul said, I focus. I brag. I boast in the cross. But the question is, why? Why is the cross so important? Why is it so important to Peavine? Why does Joel stand up here? Sunday after Sunday, and say, we're going to keep the main thing, the main thing. And by the way, I am so glad to hear that. It's so refreshing to be in a church where the gospel is the center of everything. But why? Why is it important to you today? Whether you're a follower of Christ or not yet a follower of Christ, why is it, why is it important? For the same reasons it was important to Paul. Let me give you a couple of reasons. Number one, Paul discovered that the power of the cross is the power to forgive sin. Did you hear that? That the power of the cross is the power to forgive sin. You say, now, Larry, you just said that, that, that Paul was a great missionary and that, that, that Paul was uh, one who debated Christianity with, with the, the philosophers and the scholars and, and, and he stood for Christ. Yes, but not always had he done that. I may surprise you with what I'm about to tell you. Next, This great missionary, this great follower of Christ, this man who was willing to give his life for the gospel is a man with a past. A past. A past that brought great guilt into his life. You may be sitting here today and and you, your feeling is, there is no way that I could be saved. There's no way that I, that I could be forgiven. My guilt is just too great. I want to help you with that. Paul's past. So what was it? Well, when Christianity exploded on the scene and... And people began to follow Christ with, and begin to share the, the gospel story with great power. They began to talk about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus and, and all of that. There was a man named Stephen. And Stephen was very passionate about the gospel. He was a very devoted follower of Christ. And he had told people that Jesus was the way to heaven and that he was the only way to heaven. <clears throat> well... That caused some distress with a very religious group of people. And so they determined that they were going to get rid of Stephen by killing him. And the Bible says that they literally took his life by stoning. They stoned him to death. He said, how horrible. Well, the Bible says that when that horrible act was taking place, there was a young man who was standing off to the side, And this young man is the one who gave the order to kill Stephen. You say, well, who was that? It's the same guy who gave us Galatians 6.14. Ordered a Christian to his death. And now he is a follower of Christ. Folks, let me ask you. Do you think that Paul carried great guilt for that, And Paul realized that his religion could not erase his guilt. Paul realized that, that just being good could not erase his guilt. You know what Paul came to realize? There was only one way that his guilt could be erased. And that was the blood of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> and as a, as a man who was loaded with guilt, he surrendered his life to Christ. And his sin was forgiven. Listen, I don't care what your past is today. I said when I was a pastor, I would say it Sunday after Sunday, and I say it today. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter who you are. You cannot run so fast. You cannot run so far. Your sin cannot be so great that it goes beyond the scope of the love of Jesus Christ and the power of the blood of Christ on the cross to forgive your sin. Doesn't matter how horrible your past may be, God can and will forgive you. Amen? Amen. You say, well, listen, I'm a follower of Christ. That's so simple. Why do I need to hear that? Because we must not forget, church, we have one message, and it is the message of the cross. We must not forget that, that our neighbors, our neighbors, have one hope of going to heaven and escaping hell. And that's the cross of Jesus Christ. That our family members, our friends, there's only one hope. And that's the hope of Jesus Christ. You know what we need in the church today? We need people who are heavily burdened for other people. People who, who realize they're, 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 there's only hope in the cross. We need to listen. When is the last time we were brokenhearted for lost family and friends? Right. When's the last time we wept? I remember a time, Joel, early on in my ministry, I, back then we were doing five and six day revivals. It was four. We did an event called Starlight, but I wouldn't have a particular preacher come preach, and I invited him. And when I invited him to come, he said to me, very honestly, he said, I'd love to come, but I'm booked up for the next four years. He really was. He wasn't exaggerating. But I was a young pastor at the time. And I said to him, now, let me tell you how spiritual I sound. Tell me if it sounds spiritual to you. Hey, what if God changes your calendar? Will you come? What's he going to say? Well, God can do what he wants to, but I'm not coming to your church. He had to say yes. He said, but God, I have to change it. I went to church, and we had Wednesday night prayer meeting at that time, And had a little church. And I stood in front of the people. I said, How many of you believe God answered prayer? Listen, if you want to get a unanimous vote in a Baptist church, just ask that question because if people believe it or not, they'll still raise their hands. Everybody there, raise their hands. So I told the story and I said, The only way we're going to get this guy is for God to change his calendar. But I believe God changes things. I want to ask you to come to this altar tonight and let's pray and ask God to change things. And they did. The next morning, my phone rang, and I know you think this is one of those preacher stories, and God got hold of his heart, and he canceled a meeting. No, but he did call me. He said, Pastor, I had you on my mind going home last night. He said, I still don't know where Tequila, Georgia is. Nobody did back in those days. He said, I'm still booked up. He said, but I'm going to offer you something, and if I were you, I would turn it down. I would never do a revival the date I'm going to give you. I've never done one as a pastor uh, or as an evangelist, and I certainly wouldn't do one if I was a pastor. I thought Joel, he'd tell me spring break. I said, ah, we can work with it. When is it? He said the week after Christmas. Let me tell you something. In Malachi somewhere, it says, do not have a revival the week after Christmas. (laughs) I don't know where, but it's got to be in there. And I opened my mouth to tell him no. And God said, not audibly, but louder than that, you asked me to change the calendar, I just changed it. Wrong calendar. calendar. (laughs) I just changed your calendar. So I go to church on Sunday morning. We had a small building at that time, about this section big, but it was full like this is, and I was scared to death. I thought, my job's on the line, everything's on the line. I said, how many of you were in prayer meeting Wednesday night? Stand up. If I'm going down, somebody's going with me. (laughs) So all the people that were there stood. I said, well, I want you to know God's answer to the prayer is changed calendar. They started to applaud. I said, don't applaud. (laughs) God didn't change his. God changed ours. Our revival is going to be the week after Christmas leading up to New Year's. My minister of music just passed out. It was over for him. (laughs) There went Christmas musicals. There went all that stuff. And I said, the only way we're going to see the power of God on this church, and the only way we'll see that revival be successful is God gets in on it. Nothing we can do as men. And so we set aside hours of prayer, 24 hours for like three or four days. <clears throat> People were to come to the church to pray. We added, at least I need all the help I could get. I had a scripture reading, reading from Matthew to Revelation. If you read in Matthew 1, when your time was up, someone pick up and read. When we got to Revelation, we just did it all over again. I took Sunday morning about 3 o'clock. There should have been about three or four people at the church. I drove up, and that morning, three in the morning, there weren't three or four people at the church. The parking lot was full. I thought, what is going on here? When I walked in, people were kneeling at the altar. People were laying in the floor. People were crying out to God for family and friends and neighbors. You see, what happened is God got hold of a church. We had that revival. New Year's Eve, God gave us favor. It's normally, as you know, really cold in Georgia in Christmas, but God gave us favor. It was warm. We had people, we had chairs on the front porch, speakers outside. The church was packed and overflowing. They tell me that people would stop. They thought it was a New Year's Eve party. They'd stop. They stayed. And that one night alone, we had over 30 people who came to faith in Jesus Christ. He said, Why do you tell us all that? To tell you this, church, we must understand the hope of the world is the cross. And we must be brokenhearted for people around us who need a relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen? We must be brokenhearted for the Pauls of the world. Forgiveness. The second thing, Paul discovered that the power of the cross is the power to heal a broken relationship with God. You see, Paul had tried everything he could to be right with God. Paul was a very religious man. Paul was the religious of the religious. And Paul really thought, if I'm just religious enough, it'll make me right with God. You know, there's still people like that today. You may be sitting here. You may be Baptist, Methodist, Church of God, Church of Christ, Pentecostal, whatever. And you think, well, because I'm a member of the church, that's healed my broken relationship with God. Folks, listen. Your relationship with God is not about religion. It's about what Jesus did for you on the cross. That's why in the church, folks, listen. When people come to Christ that have been in church for years... We ought to get as excited for them as we do people that were saved from out in the world that's never been in church. Because you see, lost is lost. You can be lost in the church just like you can be lost outside the church. My dad, he passed away three years ago. And our pastor, who was his pastor at that time, our pastor, shared his story. My dad came forward in a revival meeting one night. Now, my dad was chairman of Deacons, Sunday school uh, director. I, on the, chairman of the search committee that called this particular pastor, was in everything you could be, and I've seen my dad kneel at the altar, my dad was, I mean, my dad, we didn't miss church, I was in church all my life, not because I wanted to be, but because my dad said, you're going, and I had two choices, go to church or meet God, I mean, I was going to church, and my dad came forward in a revival meeting, and to share with the pastor. That he had Jesus in his head, he just never accepted him into his heart. And the pastor shared that with the congregation. And I'll never forget, a lady named Helen Lancaster sitting to the back, jumps up and yells, Wait on me, I'm lost too. And before that night was over, some 15 to 20 church members had trusted Christ. And revival broke out in that small South Georgia church. Folks, let me tell you, it's not about your religion. Paul tried that. It's not about keeping the commandments. Paul tried that. You know what Paul learned? It's what we need to know. There's only one way to God. Listen now. And that's Jesus. That's very controversial in today's world. I've never seen a time in my lifetime when that truth has come under attack like it is right now. Church, let me tell you, you better be ready to stand your ground. Because today, it is very unpopular to say that Jesus is the only way. But can I tell you something? Jesus is the only way. He's not the only way because Pastor Joel says it or I say it or any other church leader says it. He's the only way because God said it. Listen to what the Bible says. There's a way that seems right to a man, Proverbs 14, 12. But it's the end is his way of death. Acts four twelve. 12. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there's no other name under heaven, given by which we must be saved. Then Jesus himself in John 14 said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Do you hear that? No man, no one comes to the Father except through me. You know what? Listen, no one is no one. Amen? You say, well, Larry, that sounds very narrow. I'm going to shock you. It is narrow. But it's no more narrow than the gospel you can turn here if you want to, Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. These verses that I'm about to share with you are in the middle of a sermon, greatest sermon ever preached by the greatest preacher who ever lived. Been a lot of great preachers. When I was a young pastor, very young, pastoring in a mobile home park church, I'd been to a Billy Graham School of Evangelism. He had a red Bible. I've got a red Bible. He said, the Bible says. I said it about 100 times, that little church in one sermon. My wife said, you stood up there and said, I want hundreds of you to come to Christ today. There were 42 in the church service that morning. Now, that's faith right there. Well, I'd preach after that conference. And when you go to a conference, you get all fired up. And I was fired up. So I got in the car that day. We were newly married. And I said to my wife, I said, sweetheart, can I ask you a question? How many really great preachers do you think there are? And then I sat back and waited on the answer. I got it. My wife said, Well, I think there's probably one less than you think there is. <laughs> Sherry, I've never asked that question in 46 years since then. But I will tell you this I'm far from being the greatest preacher who ever lived, but Jesus was. And the greatest sermon I ever preached was Sermon on the Mount. Listen to Matthew 7 13. Enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate, broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are a few who find it. When I first read that, or for years after I'd read that, I thought, is he saying only a few can come to him? That's not what he's saying. You know what he's saying? Only a few will come. Let me tell you what you've got to do to come to Jesus today. Let me tell you what you've got to do to stop trusting in self and start trusting in the cross, you've got to lay aside your pride. Pride that says, I can do it on my own. Even pride that says, I'm not good enough. Or pride that says, I'm religious. You see, today, Jesus says to you that he is your hope. The Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die, and then the judgment. The Bible says that there is an eternity. Your pastor said it. There is a heaven. There is a hell. And the only way to escape hell and go to heaven is through the cross of Jesus Christ. The only way to have your guilt alleviated is the cross. I want to tell you, Jesus loves you. He died for you. He sacrificed his life that your sin can be forgiven. He is the way to God the Father. I did a funeral three weeks ago with an evangelist named John Reed and Jason Brett, who's pastor of Bethlehem Church in Bethlehem, Georgia. Did the funeral for a lady named Kathy Camp. Kathy had been saved at our church years ago. She and her husband and her, their daughter. Then their daughter met John Reed, who came to Christ on a college retreat with our church, and they met, and they fell in love, and he asked her to marry him. He did it a little differently than most. He didn't go to her dad. He just got them all in the same room. Now, that's brave. And he asked Inga, he said, Inga, will you marry me? And in the funeral, he said, her mom said yes. (laughs) Mom answered for the daughter. You see, Kathy had trusted Christ, and she asked John. She was dying of cancer. She said, share the gospel. He did. And in that service that day, there was... There were two adults, a dad and an adult son, who had not spoken in years. Something had come between them. And when John shared the gospel, unknown to the other, each asked Jesus to forgive them and be their Savior. John called me later and he said, Larry, you're not going to believe it. He said, when all was said and done and everybody gathered back at the house, he said, that dad and that son embraced each other and well for the first time in years. Folks, let me tell you the power of the cross is the power to forgive, it's the power to reconcile, it's the power to heal. Amen? Amen. It's all in the cross. You see, finally, and I'm done, look at what it says. Paul said, I boast in the cross. And then he says, and because of the cross, I've been crucified to the world and the world to me. You said, what does that mean? It simply means this the cross gave new focus to Paul's life. You know, one of the most exciting things about a church like P. Vine, Joel, is to see people who have been changed by the power of the gospel and how their lives are different, how the focus changes, and how their love for others and their love for Jesus just elevates. Today, that can happen to you. I want to ask you do you know Jesus as your Savior? Have you come to the cross and the cross alone? Let me ask you this way. If you died today, if this were your last church service, your last day to live on this earth, do you know you would go to heaven? I can tell you this. You can know. And the only way you can know is by surrendering your life to Jesus Christ who died on the cross for you. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads with me. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I want to ask you, I wonder who in this service would, today would say, You know, Pastor, I'm not sure I've ever come to Christ. I'm not going to point you out. I'm not going to come to you. I promise you, and no one else is. But you'd be honest today. You'd lay aside your pride, and you'd say, Pastor, I don't really know that if I died today, I'd go to heaven. I'm not sure. With no one looking, no one, would you just simply slip up your hand from where you're seated right now, And say, pray for me. I don't know that I'd go to heaven. Just lift up your hand. Thank you. Are there others? Thank you. Anyone else? You'd say, that's me. Well, listen. The good news is you can know today. You can know. You don't have to leave here wondering. You don't have to leave here in doubt. You can know. And it's simply by trusting Christ. By surrendering your life. Acknowledging that it's through Jesus that your sin's forgiven. In just a moment, we're going to stand, and when we do, I'm going to ask you to remain with your heads bowed and eyes closed. But I'm going to ask you today, if you would trust Christ, come to one of the pastors who will be standing here across the front of this worship center and say, Pastor, today I want to know this Jesus. Maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor, I've received Jesus as my Savior. I know I'm going to heaven. But those that were baptized today, that spoke to me. I've never been baptized since I trusted Christ. You need to be obedient. Come to one of the pastors and share with the pastor your desire at another another time to be baptized. Or maybe God's leading you to join this church. You come today. But I want to ask you too, followers of Christ, how many of you would today say, boy, God's really put a heavy burden on my heart for somebody I know that doesn't know Jesus. Would you hold up your hand right now? Just hold it up around the building. God bless you. Many hands going up. I'm going to ask you today to pray for them. I'm going to ask you today, would you come and make this altar, an altar of prayer? Unashamedly come and just kneel and say, God, open doors for this person to hear the gospel through me or through someone else, and I pray that they would be saved. Let me pray. We're going to stand, heads bowed, eyes closed when we stand. You come today to trust Christ. Join this church. Acknowledge your need for baptism or to just come pray for people today you know who need a relationship with Jesus. Father, thank you today for your word. Thank you for the gospel. Thank you, Lord, for a great church where people love each other and just desire to see people saved. I pray today no one would leave without a relationship with you. I pray it in Jesus' name. Would you stand? Would you come right now?
0: We hope that you've enjoyed the message this week as we help equip you to apply God's word to your daily life. For the latest updates about what's happening around Peavine City, be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. For more information about Peavine or to get in touch with us, please visit our website, peavine.org. Thanks for listening.